you think you know what we're going to talk about. But unfortunately, I fell down a damn rabbit hole and I've not gotten out yet. <laughs> Knife bros. I literally googled Sebastian Stan hands. But just when you least expect it, we changed the game. Well, yeah, because like, usually in astrology, they would partner up air signs with fire signs. All right, you can, you can huggle. Time travel stories and... At the end of the day, only one thing matters. We decide. Well, we should make it a topic. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, I didn't take German in school. I barely took... I took Spanish and I don't remember any of it. Three Fates Decide podcast. Hey everybody, it's Mary. Um, welcome back to Three Fates Decide podcast. I'm here with my two co-hosts, Sam and Liz. Say hi, ladies. Hello. Hi. Um, we are on episode 14, and today we are going to be talking um, on a pretty serious topic of mental health. And kind of, and to kind of follow last week's topic, we're also going to be doing a little bit more about the social media aspect and how it affects mental health, especially in young um, adults, uh, teenagers. Who wants to start? Um, yeah, so uh, I had, I guess, been the one to kind of suggest this uh, personal topic. It's become kind of uh, near and dear to my heart because I've been suffering with, you know, anxiety, depression, and things like that. And I think a lot of people have, especially during COVID, mental health has become a forefront in a lot of ways um you know with quarantine and things like that a lot of people were very anxious or fell into depression and you know had to c come up with ways to deal with it if they couldn't see a, a therapist or anything like that so like for instance for me i started writing and kind of having a more artistic outlook to get a lot of my stress, anxiety, anger, whatever emotion I was feeling at the time out. Um, and it has helped, but I did recently start going back to therapy. Um, I actually uh, do feel a lot better, you know, when I kind of get it off my chest and, and things like that. So it, it has definitely um, helped. So I do recommend if you are, you know, suffering with you know, depression, anxiety, anger, just feelings that you feel like you can't talk to anybody about. Um, definitely, if you have the capability, go and, and, and talk to somebody. And it's it's nice to kind of get a outsider's perspective. And sometimes, you know, someone who doesn't necessarily just have an opinion, but has ways to help you overcome uh, your struggles. Um, so, and, you know, more recently with mental health, it's become kind of the forefront again, especially surrounding the Olympics because of, you know, Simone Biles and what she was kind of going through while she was in Tokyo and things like that. So, uh, we can talk about that a little bit today, uh, also, but yeah, no, um, I'm kind of glad that mental health has become so important to people uh and has become more uh of a uh talked about subject i think you know before it, it was kind of like a taboo no one wanted to discuss mental health uh obviously there's all different types of things 
when it comes to mental health. It's a very broad spectrum, but it's so important in life to make sure you have, you know, good mental health, um, to, to have a, you know, good, happy, uh, life. So. Yes, I, I, I agree. Um, I've suffered with social anxiety for a very long time. Um, I was on medication for a while and in therapy for a while. Um, unfortunately for me, I found the therapy and the medication did not help. All the medication did was just numb every, every feeling I ever had. So I no longer felt happiness. I no longer felt sadness. I didn't feel anxious. I didn't feel anything. Um, and during this time, my grandfather passed away and I did not grieve. I had no tears. I had no feelings. It was just, he was gone. Um, so for me, I, I found for me, what worked better was to, uh, find my, I guess, quote unquote people. And I found them online. Like I, I found, um, you and Liz, Sam, um, and a few others that I've found over the years that have become more of my sounding board when I am feeling certain ways, because for me, therapy did not work or I didn't feel therapy worked well for me. That's not to say it doesn't work for other people. That's just my uh, experience with it. Mm -hmm. And I do, I am very happy to see that um, the stigma surrounding um, mental illness and having a mental illness diagnosis or being in therapy is being destigmatized now. It's no longer, you're no longer being um, considered quote unquote crazy because you can't just shake it off and move on. Some people can, others cannot. And right. And I, I love the fact that I wish they had it back. It might have helped maybe more for me um, back in the back when I was younger, if they'd had the on the more of an online um, mental health therapy sessions like they do now. That's actually what I use. Yeah, <laughs> I'm using uh, better health. Yeah, which is amazing because, I mean, that puts you in in touch with. So you don't necessarily have to leave the house to get a therapy session in or you can call from wherever you are and get a therapy session in, which is great for, for people and other people like that. And other people need that face-to-face -face interaction with the therapist. I personally would be more like you, Sam. I would prefer if they'd had it back then to have used, used a system like that because I think it would have helped me more because I find I can open up more online in an almost anonymous role than I can when I'm face to face with somebody because I still feel like that person is judging me where online it's more anonymous. So I don't feel that judgment. Yeah. I've done both. I've done the face to face and I've done, uh, obviously I'm currently doing the online. The reason why I went to online now is because when you do these online ones, you don't have to go through insurance. You mm -hmm. kind of pay like a subscription, uh, for the app. Mm -hmm. And uh, my health insurance right now, I think I only get like five visits for mental health, which mm. how do you know if that's going to be good enough or not? So that's why I was like, you know what, let right. me just do the online thing, see how that goes. Um, I am enjoying it so far. It is nice that I can like lay on my bed 
and talk to the therapist as opposed to going to the office, sitting in, you know, sitting on a couch or in a chair and not feeling 100% comfortable. So I do get that. Um, out of the three of us, I am the only one who's never gone to see a therapist or talk to one. I mean, I don't know. I've just never quite felt like I was ever in, like, a particular situation or anything where I felt like I needed to talk to a complete out, like, a complete, you know, stranger more or less about whatever issue I have um, at any particular time. I don't know. I mean, I think I'm I'm more like one of I'm more like a lot of people who have just never seen a therapist or felt the need to see one at least, you know, up to this point. So I have to say that this particular topic um I'm going to have like a bit of uh I'm I'm more like going to be in the background a little bit on this one just because like I don't really have first-hand, like, anecdotes or anything mm-hmm. about me, so. Okay. Yeah. That's no, valid. No, no worries. It, listen, yeah. and, and I'm glad that you've never had, or you've never felt like you, you needed it. I, it's actually kind of funny, because, like, you know, and I think I've mentioned this in a, possibly another episode before, my dad passed away when I was 16, unexpectedly. And uh, it was kind of like ever since then, like I felt like I needed it just to kind of get that my chest, but my mom never believed in it. So it wasn't until I was an adult and I had my own insurance that I really got a chance to go. Um, And at that point, I was dealing with a lot with my grandma who had Alzheimer's, who was living with us. And, you know, it was just a lot of stress with that and stuff like that. So. Um, but I mean, like, you know, it's, I think it it depends on with, with therapy. I think it depends on your therapist, number one, because, you know, at the time when, when I did the face to face, I thought she was great. Now seeing like this therapist, I kind of realized that she didn't necessarily like help me. I kind of would sit there and talk for 45 minutes and then she'll be like, all right, I'll see you in two weeks. And that was, I mean, yeah, I got a lot off my chest, which was great, but it, I, I didn't feel better because I didn't know how to deal with what I, like the, the emotions that I was feeling at the time where now this therapist mm-hmm. gives me a lot of like exercises to help me and, you know, is actually trying to help me deal with a lot of the feelings that I have. Um, you know, which is good, but, um, you know, I think there's a lot of people and, you know, again, with the fact that the world has changed where it's okay to talk about mental health, I think has helped a lot of people, um, realize that, you know, they can go and talk to somebody or that they may have, I don't want to say like an issue, but they, they have something that they, they, you know, want to go talk to the doctor about or whatever. And, you know, like I said, mental health, mental health is such a broad spectrum um, because it's more than just, you know, like bipolar or depression or whatever. Sometimes it's just you need to de-stress and you don't know how to de-stress. And like stress is such a huge thing in mental health 
that if you don't know how or you're, you know, you have a lot of anger or you have just some type of emotion that you don't know how to let it out, that affects you mentally so badly that, you know, now that it's talked about so openly, people realize I can go and get help for even though I'm not diagnosed with depression or with bipolar or, you know, whatever. So it's nice to, nice to see. Definitely. Definitely. Um, I think that was probably my, one of the reasons why I felt, especially face-to-face therapy did not help me is because it was like you said, just the, um, okay, you talk and then that's it. I'll see you in a couple of weeks. There's nothing else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I, and I will never forget the therapist that I saw suggested two things to my parents for me. Cause I was, I was still a teenager when I first went, um, first off they said to get rid of the internet. <laughs> and the second was to put me in a private school that was supposed to so- that was supposed to solve my social anxiety. Okay. What's a, what yeah, was a private I school like, going to do? I, other I than guess less kids. Less kids, but the private school they wanted to put me in was an exclusive private school. And oh, so rich kids. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not rich. By any stretch of the means or, or the imagination. And back then, even less so. <laughs> I'm like, okay, you're going to put me in an all-girls school. All girls boarding school, yeah. private boarding school. And then you're going to take away the only access I have to the outside world besides my podunk little town that I live in, that I still live in, unfortunately. Right. But I'm like, yeah, no, because that was part of that was part of the problem is you're putting me you're, that's why I had the social anxiety to begin with is because one, I live in a podunk little town where everybody knows everybody. And I was, unfortunately I was the little fat kid that they all picked on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, man. Kids stink. That's why like, it's so funny. Like we're going to get into like the, the internet, like cyberbullying and stuff like that. But like oh, yeah. kids suck. They do. I mean, I, I don't get me wrong. I love my daughter. She's only four. So she's not there yet, but some children are just little buttholes. Yeah. They're mean. They are so mean. Like I was bullied. I was bullied so badly uh, in fifth grade that it, it emotionally like ruined me until I was an adult. I think I just got over it. Like, (laughs) Like it was that, like it was relentless. Like every day yeah. they found something new to pick on me about. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, to the point that like teachers after wanted, like would ask my mom, like why I was so emotional. My mom had to tell them, like, I was literally like the class pincushion that kids oh, would just like attack. Bag. Yeah. I was, I was no, the literal punching bag. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, I was thrown in front of a truck. It wasn't moving, but you know, they they wanted it to. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, I remember having braces, which another thing that kids like to pick on you for. (laughs) I mean, and getting punched in the mouth, and my braces cutting my cutting the inside of my lip. 
of my mouth and just blood just I was just bleeding because of it. I, I remember that. And I'm just like, kids are buttholes. They're just yeah. horrible. And yeah. I'm so trying to raise my daughter to keep her sweet nature, but also be able to stand up for herself. Mm -hmm. And I think I mentioned this in another podcast. I said, my daughter better never throw the first punch, but she damn well better throw the last is how I want her. Yeah. To. I'm like, I want her to be able to use her words and, but if it doesn't stop and they physically touch her, then she better stop it. And if right, defend needs, yourself. Yeah, exactly. And if she needs to get physical to do it, then I will, I will defend that child to my dying breath that she was in the right to defend herself. Mm -hmm. It's like, you see those, those pictures of the lion cub standing and the mama cub, the mama right behind them. That's going to be me with my daughter. <laughs> she's going to know how to. She's going to know how to use her words effectively, first off. Second, she's going to try to do it the right way by getting an adult and take and trying to get it taken care of that way. But if it doesn't stop and they physically lay their hands on her, then she's going to have my permission. Whether she has anybody else's, she will have my permission to do what she needs to do to get them to stop. Yeah. You know, no, I'm, I'm short of like obviously criminal. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Of course. It's like stopping short of actually really physically hurting somebody to that point of a criminal act. You <laughs> <laughs> should clarify. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. But at least like when we were younger, there was like the internet. I mean, as teenagers, it was there, but, like, it was still kind of, like, new. Right. Um, so we didn't have the cyberbullying that they do now. Right. And that's, like, you know, kind of segueing into, like, the next thing is, like, the online, uh, men uh, how mental health is being affected by the internet. Yes. Not just cyberbullying, but also influencers media, yeah. and things like that. There's so many things that, mm -hmm. you know, the internet has con i don't want to say control but like effects yeah um especially with young kids and teenagers and you know what hell even adults i mean it, it's it it's crazy between cyberbullying and we again we talked about this last week with uh with the social media and, and fandoms and the toxicity and the keyboard warriors how you know when you are anonymous on the keyboard you kind of feel like you can say whatever you want and just kind of mm -hmm. go for it um and unfortunately there's a lot of kids who have committed suicide as a result of cyberbullying yeah. and you know or being told to commit suicide and like that's like it's yeah. it's it's gross and then at the same time you have these influencers who you know all they care about is getting followers and stuff like that and they post these pictures of themselves that are so photoshopped that make them look so skinny and make that like it makes these kids think that if you're anything less than that, you're wrong or you're bad or whatever. You're so ugly. it's like now, you're yeah. Point. They, it's an unattainable beauty standard that not just influencers, but the beauty industry in just in its pretty much its entirety 
has perpetuated is that it started back in the 60s with um, girls that, like Twiggy, the famous model Twiggy. Mm-hmm. How she was so thin and she was like, that was like the model standard is you had to look like her back in this. This is back in the 60s before yeah. internet was even a thing. This was like in magazines and runway shows and things like that. And then it, it's just gotten worse every decade. And now it has really gotten really, really bad because they've got so many filters and Photoshop and all these women and men, but mostly women. I, I, I have to say the, unfortunately, the quote unquote fairer sex here has really taken it, taken it too far. Not saying the men don't have their, their issues. They do. But yeah. seeing, especially there's a certain, there's just, you see these things. And we were, and I would talk about it yesterday or last week about the uh, YouTuber that has pretty mm-hmm. much confirmed an eating disorder. She has an ED. Um, she has, she has actually come out and stated that she's had a relapse of it. And that's why she looks as thin as she does right now. But she's so so many people think that she looks good, and that she needs to lose more weight. And yeah. it's just insane to me. You know, it's from all right. There's a difference between like promoting health, like in terms of you know, obviously obesity is an issue, especially in the U.S. And, it you is. know, like, I'm overweight and I know that. I am too. You right know. There with you. And, okay, yes, you want to promote, you know, healthy eating, exercise, and whatever. 100% I will applaud that because that is something that kids especially need to know because, it, you know, mm-hmm. don't sit there on your phones or on your computers or in front of your game systems or whatever. Like, go outside and play. But at the same time, like, when, like, there's people that don't promote that. They just promote, like, well, if you are heavy, you're ugly, you're this, you're that. Like, yes, there are a lot of um, plus-size models now, which is great, because you should celebrate every body type in the Mm -hmm. world. You know, not everyone is skinny. Not everyone's meant right. to be skinny. You know, like, yeah, I'm, you know, I work out now. You know, I eat healthy. I'm losing weight. But you know what? I am broad. I have broad shoulders, a broad back. Like, I'm never going to be a skinny model type. Right. And I know that. As long as I'm healthy, that's all that matters. And that's really all that should matter. There's some people that can't get down to that quote-unquote model body. But you have these people who are in the public eye for how however it is that literally mm-hmm. will change themselves and sometimes badly where you can actually tell that they change themselves to make themselves look skinnier or you know whatever and it's yeah. wrong because you're sending the wrong message instead of showing right. that everyone is beautiful in their own way you're sending well you know I, if you're not this skinny, then, you know, it's not a good picture. Like, come on. Yeah. I mean, there's, I mean, I've seen pictures of women on Instagram and then pictures in magazines where they haven't been photoshopped 
to death like they have like they do on it like they do to themselves on instagram and i'm like mm-hmm. you actually look better in the unphotoshopped photo because that's a realistic beauty standard a realistic body type as compared to this quote unquote perfect beauty standard that nobody is ever going to be able to attain except mm-hmm. for a very small maybe a handful of people but that's only because they have access to probably the best plastic surgeons the best dietitians the best personal trainers you know the best of everything and even then they're probably never going to attain that true beauty standard that that they want you they that they say that if you don't look like this then you're just considered ugly and you might as well just stop yeah and it's just it's crazy to me because I, mean, I know I'm overweight. I admit I'm overweight. Mm-hmm. I have been most of, I have been since I hit puberty. Before that, yep. I was, I was skinny. I was tiny. I was just, same here. We're like the same person. <laughs> it's like, I was just this little itty bitty thing. And then I hit puberty. And unfortunately I grew a very large set of um, breasts. Unfortunately, I did not grow the ass to go with them. So I'm a little top Same. heavy here. <laughs> well, like I said, I have the broad back. Thank you to my father and yeah. the broad shoulders. So it's like, I have like that big upper body. Yeah. That's so, just, that's who I am. There's nothing I can do about that. Right. <laughs> I'm never going to get down to my quote unquote ideal size of like 120 pounds or 110 pounds for my height. There is no way in hell. No mm-hmm. way. But I do try to watch what I eat. I do admit I don't exercise nearly as much as I should. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I, that's that's I all of us. Way oh, too I many. do. I eat way too many sweets. That's my downfall is sweets. Mm, I'm with you. Mm. Yeah. Cake. <laughs> oh, it's not even so much cake. It's candy in general. Like, Chocolate. especially like, like well, mine's more like the fruity candies. Mm. Like jelly beans and mm-hmm. um, the Mike and Ikes are some of my absolute <laughs> favorites. Love Mike and Ikes. Love those things. Yeah, uh, I am a chocolateaholic. Yeah, I and, do like chocolate too. And I do like cake. I like carbs. Yes. I'm well, a big yeah, carb carbs. person. Yes. But I mean, I'm Italian. We like our carbs. Pasta. Potatoes, pasta, pizza. I'm um, also Irish, so potatoes. Like you know, yeah. not like yeah. the healthy carbs, but I like carbs. <laughs> but you know, yeah. I am doing rice. better. Yes, love rice. I'm a huge but, rice. But like, huge. what an, what annoys me is how many of these people that are uh, photoshopping also post pictures of them eating crappy food. I know. It's like. Just, just show us the real you. It's okay. Like you look fine, right? And that's the whole thing that I think needs to start happening is people realizing like we're all different. We all have different body types. And again, yes, not to quote unquote celebrate obesity. And like that's and that's what annoys me is how many people say like, oh well, if you are plus size, like you're celebrating obesity. No. You're mm-hmm. celebrating the fact that there are some people that are 
bigger. And yeah, maybe they do want to get smaller. Maybe they are going to work on it. But for now, they are who they are. And you can't just ignore them or tell them that they're fat or they're ugly or they're whatever. Because that's not going to make the situation better. It's going to make it worse. Yeah. The thing of it is, is that people need to understand that because I embrace the fact that I'm overweight doesn't mean that I'm okay with the fact that I'm overweight. Right. It means that I no longer hate myself for being as overweight as I am. Yes, this is what my body looks like right now. Do I want to change it? Yes, I do want to change it. Will it? Will I change it? Most likely I will. It may take me a very long time to do it. And there may be, I, I may fall off the wagon a lot and I have to get back up on that hot, up on my horse again. Mm-hmm. However, that doesn't, me saying that we need to have more body inclusivity and a better range of, I'm looking at you clothing industry on this one. I am talking to you about this shit because there is no way that I understand. Yes, it does. My plus size clothes cost more. It, that's just a way of life at this point. But I see all these really adorable clothes for like, quote unquote, normal size. I'm like, you just add a, add a little bit to that, to, to that dress right there. You can make it plus size. Mm-hmm. Why does my dress, why does my plus size clothing have to look like a sack? I right. Mean, it's not flattering at all. Yeah. I mean, okay. I understand that you're not, that you say you're um, inclusive in sizes. Okay. But that, you just making a potato sack is not flattering though. <laughs> it, it is my, is my thing. So it, it, it's kind of like a double-edged sword in a way. You know, since you brought it up, this, this kind of reminds me of um, Christian Siriano, how like when, uh, you know, Leslie, was like complaining about how she had to do like a red carpet premiere thing and she couldn't find anybody who could dress her because she is not a size zero woman, (laughs) you know? And Mm -hmm. he actually stepped up and said, you know what? If you need a dress, just send me a message privately and uh, we'll work something out. And he dressed her and she looked great in it. I mean... It looks exactly like a dress that any woman could wear to like a fancy black tie cocktail mm-hmm. party kind of thing. And he's also come out and said that, you know what, if you really want me to dress you, whatever, you know, whichever celebrity you are and you can't find anything, just just send me up, just DM me and we'll set up an appointment and figure something out. Which I 100% totally respect that. Absolutely. Applaud him. Exactly. That's awesome. And I'm so glad that a high-end designer like that is willing to do that for um, all body types. Not just your quote-unquote size zero to size four. You know? Uh And they're, they're saying... It's okay if you're not a size four or you could be a size eight, 10, 12, 14, whatever size it yeah. is. Oh yeah. And, and the, and not that, not that like, I want to make this like too much about Christian Siriano, 
only, but the right. other cool thing I thought was great was like how he actually designed that um tuxedo dress thing for Billy Porter for I think the Met Gala it was for. It was either Met it was either the Met Gala or for some award show, but I thought that was like great too, because it's like now you're not just so now he's not just designing stuff for, you know, different body types, but he's also not focusing too much on like, well, okay, you're a woman and you're wearing a dress, so what? But now he's designed this cool dress tuxedo thing for a gay man who oh, is right. I I was I had a brain uh a brain fart on who you were talking about until you until you said it was the tuxedo dress. I was like, oh yeah, that's right. He he slayed in that. Oh my god, he looked amazing in that dress. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure. Yeah, and that was a that was a Christian Siriano. So it's yeah. like we, you know, on the fashion side, since the, you know you brought it up, we right. honestly need more designers who are uh, more innovative in their philosophy on like design like mm-hmm. christian because again like i was just saying it's not just about women getting you know their body different body sizes recognized by a designer but now we're also talking about like well why are we limiting you know why are we saying fashion has to be gendered you know yeah mm-hmm. And I mean, everything we're talking about also applies to men, even though we may we may speak more towards the women's side of things because we are all we are all women. We are all female. But it also does everything we're saying does apply to men as well, because men of all sizes deserve to have their body be be considered normal. Or normalized, you know, we may not say it looks great if you're an obese man or you're an obese woman, but we're saying it's okay to embrace that this is your body right now. And it's okay to love yourself the way you are now, no matter what, because it it does really go into the mental health because men have just as much, if not more mental health issues than women. They're just not as open, um, open and, uh, talked about mm-hmm. like like women are because men have always been told that they need to shut up and get over it yep oh yeah and there's plenty of men who deal with body like dysmorphia or I- image image issues um i applaud them if they if they speak about it though because yeah right. it's true they do they're they're right. taught to kind of like Keep your head down. Don't talk about it. Get over it yourself. Like, be a man. Yeah, real men don't don't talk about their feelings. And that's just not true. So everything we talk about, whether we, if we, if we, when we say something, we, we mean both genders. Or all genders, I should put it that way. We mean all genders, whether you are male, female, non-binary, doesn't matter. We're talking about you. We are including everybody into this mental health because everybody suffers in some way or some form because everybody has anxiety or stress. Some people can deal with it better than others. And for some people, it doesn't affect them as badly as it does others. 
So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this was something like I meant to bring up in the previous episode, but I just never got around to doing it. But it's still, but you know, it fits in this topic is that the other thing is it's not just regular people like us or you listeners out there that have to deal with these struggles, but you know, uh, quite a few celebrities have come out and said mm -hmm. that I have dealt with this problem. Like okay. we, like we kind of mentioned earlier, like Sam brought up before, you know, because of the Olympics, you know, it kind of came up with Simone Biles. And before that, Naomi okay. Osaka withdrew from, you know, the French Open and I think Wimbledon because she was like, you know, I, all this press media scrutiny it it's just it it's just too much and i need to get away from all of this for you know a few weeks to kind of sort everything out and maybe i'll come back for like the us open or the olympics even so and and you know what it's great that they brought this up because you know what the fact that these top athletes are saying that you know this was this all this attention is just getting to me and i I need some time to kind of put my head back together a bit, you know, shows that just because you become famous and you're getting million dollar endorsement deals, et cetera, doesn't mean that you can't escape from the same struggles that everybody deals with. And if anything, it's, there's a case to be made. It's actually worse for them because of the fact they are famous people mm -hmm. and you have millions of people paying attention to them. It just, and making comments. Yep. Right. Yeah. And it just amplifies it. And, um, and another related point that, uh, I didn't bring up in the previous episode was, um, how this is not just, you know, well, obviously we're all human beings, but this is not just like an American problem. Um, very tragically now this is not to say that it's cyberbullying was completely responsible for all of it it's more like probably cyberbullying by keyboard warriors who hide behind their computer screens you know saying nasty things just somebody who's already prone to depression or right it just, right or it just exacerbates a problem yeah. but um mm -hmm. Those of you out there who are very familiar with uh, K-pop and, you know, even some of the K-dramas um, probably already know where, what, direct, what I'm getting into now. But um, there were actually some celebrity suicides that happened in recent years. Um, and like I was saying, it's not specifically cyberbullying caused them to do it, obviously, but mm -hmm. it's just that whatever issues emotional mental what have you struggles that they were having already was just exacerbated by thousands of random strangers basically uh saying uh the kind of negative things that they were already thinking in their heads as right. well as maybe things that they were told within their own industry, you know, over the years, because especially for um, some of the K-pop stars, which um, for those of you who aren't familiar with, a lot of K-pop stars, they are, they start out as teenagers. Like, I mean, I have two nieces that are teenagers and, 
you know, kids even younger than my two nieces will get, you know, scouted by talent agencies. And they go through up to three to four years of training by the talent agencies to be better singers, better dancers, better rappers. They may even get classes to teach them how to do interviews properly or even, you know, acting lessons because, you know, some idols do get cast in dramas and things as well. But, you know, so you you have these young kids thrust into stardom, okay, whether they become big pop star famous like, you know, BTS or Blackpink as an example, or you kind of fizzle out, you know, as a group that is only around for maybe a couple of years and then when the contract with the agency is up, it doesn't get renewed because you're you're just not popular enough, you know. You know, when you're thrust in that situation, whatever negative ideas you may have had in your head because they were already in your head or people in the industry were telling you this, like, oh, you, you need to lose some weight or you know, have you, you look kind of tired. Have you thought about like getting some work done or whatever? I mean, you get that kind of stuff happening. And then now you become famous. You have thousands of random people on the internet saying the same kind of thing to you. I mean, it just, it just snowballs to the point where some people just cannot cope with it. And you get these tragic stories yeah. and, you know, it's just sad. It's sad when it's a regular person that has this happen to them, and it's terrible when it happens to a celebrity. Yeah. No, like, it, it, I think people forget that c celebrities or public figures, I'll kind of open that up a little bit, to public figures are human, just like us. You know, yeah. they all, and, and we talked about this again last week, they're all, you know, the same as, as us. They all wake up in the morning. They all get dressed the same way we do. Like, you know, the difference is they have money. They're in the public eye. They're whatever. And, yeah, sometimes they take advantage. Sometimes they do stupid things. But, you know, same as anyone else. And what's the, I think the biggest difference is that because they're in the public eye, they are getting those comments from people about how they look, their actions, you know, anything. Their their hair, their, you know, facial expression, you know, how they look in pictures. It's like yeah. they just get commented on every single thing. And if they're already dealing with anxiety, Depre depression, whatever, like yeah. it's going to snowball even more because as you said, it's things that they probably think about themselves anyway, you know? So then not only do you get either people from their agencies or whatever telling them, but you get the public telling them. And it's like, it made me think of like Candace Cameron Bure when she was playing DJ for Full House. Like, she grew up in front of the camera when, like, that show started. She was, like, eight years old. So she literally went through puberty. Yeah. And Jodie um, Sweetin, who uh, yeah. played Stephanie. And, and I just remember, like, they talked a lot about her weight and how, like, she developed an eating disorder 
on the show because she was so worried about not being skinny enough. Like, and people forget yeah. that. Like, they they care about, you know, that stuff. You know, they may try yeah. and pretend like they don't. They may even say that they don't. But I think it, at the end of the day, everyone cares at least a smidgen. Maybe yeah. not as much as, you know, they could, which is a good thing and a bad thing. But they they pay attention to what people say and it can hurt. It can really, really hurt. And like, you know, kind of going back to the Olympics with Simone Biles, like I was floored at how many people made comments on how she's a quitter. She's quitting on her country, quitting on her team. Like, you know, if she's an Olympian, then she should have you know, better mental health, better that, like, you don't even know what she's going through. Like, do you really think that she flew all the way to Tokyo and was happy about having to sit out for like a week? Because I'm pretty sure she wasn't. But at the end of the day, like, for people who don't know, she developed something called the twisties, which is very common in gymnasts. And pretty much what happens is if you're, when you're twisting in the air, you, you lose yourself you have no idea where you are and that can be very dangerous Mm -hmm. because you know you're flipping upside down and if you can't control your body you can break your neck and die so she took the initiative instead of either a bombing her routines or getting hurt she stepped back And her team stepped up and they were able to win a medal. And as a result of her stepping down for the other things, her teammates were able to get gold medals or or medals in general. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like her stepping down actually helped her other teammates give them their time to shine. Now, not that that's why she did it, but... You know, right away, people attack like, oh, you're a quitter, you're this, you're that. Why? Like, this girl gets so much pressure. Like I was saying, every time they talked about her on the media, it was, she's the goat. She's the, you know, she only has to compete against herself. Um, You know, every country knows, you know, if Simone Biles there, U.S. is going to get the gold. When Russia saw that Simone pulled, the coach even said, okay, now, now the gold is yours to take. Because she knew Simone was out. Like, the the coaches for even the USA team said, like, they weren't worried going into the Olympics because they had Simone. Like, that's an issue. Like, you're putting a lot of pressure. She's only, like, 20-whatever years old. That's a lot of pressure to put on somebody. Literally, the hope of everything is on her shoulders. And, like, she literally had an interview, like, the night before saying she felt like the world was on her shoulders. So I can't even imagine what was going on in her head. Yeah, definitely. I know we were talking about the, um, to kind of go back to the celebrity route for the depression and and suicides. Uh, We've had several just in the past, what, 15 years? Several high prominent celebrities take their lives. Uh, Heath Ledger. He he dealt with he had those all he had dealt with mental health issues 
unfortunately they got the better of him. Yeah. After his uh, turn as the Joker, which is horribly sad because he was a fantastic actor, and I would have loved to have seen what his career would have done had he yeah. been able to get the help that he needed. Um, Robin Williams. I know we don't normally name names, but these these celebrities have have are pretty. People pretty much know what have, what has happened to them, but the the one that shocked me the most probably was Robin Williams. Yeah, I yeah. Well, actually, he and Robin Williams made a good point, and I know a lot of other comedians have come out about that. A lot of comedians suffer from depression, mm-hmm. and the way that they deal with that depression is through their jokes. Yeah. It's sad. It really is because, like, even like Steve Martin, like, came out and was like, he he suffers with like depression and stuff like that. Yeah, Robin Williams definitely floored me uh, with that. And just for anyone who doesn't know, that's he he did unfortunately commit suicide, but it wasn't because of depression. He was actually diagnosed with a form. I think it was of like a form of dementia. And he was so scared of losing himself that that's what, you know, he, he decided to go that route, which is extremely sad. Um, so, I mean, I guess maybe depression did play a, a, a role, but it wasn't like that. You know, it wasn't he, the, he main, had, the right, main. Right. He, he had fallen ill and he didn't want to go out like that. Yeah. But at the same time, I think if his depression, he hadn't had the depression and the mental illness. I he might have been able to not necessarily suffer through it, but he might have been able to make a better choice. Mm-hmm. You know, I I, I think because he grew up in the era of where men didn't talk about it. Yeah, men didn't have men don't have feelings. They don't. You know, they don't talk about the mental health and all that, which is still going on to this day, unfortunately. It's getting better. It is getting better. But unfortunately for men, mental health still seems like it's stigmatized. And having, needing to talk to somebody is like stigmatized for men more so than for women. Yeah. Um, no, one, 100%, 100%. And that's why, like, I applaud the men who do actually come forward. Uh, talk about it and come forward. Um, yeah. Because, you know, I know that that's not an easy thing because of how they've, you know, been taught or whatever. But, you know, it's good that now, you know, there's men and actually a lot of uh, public figured men that are very open about it and hopefully that'll help other men to to become more open with it um just a, a little fact um robin williams anniversary is coming up on wednesday he passed away on the 11th and i only know that because that's my sister's birthday <laughs> um but yeah so when you mentioned him i was like oh wow it's kind of weird. His anniversary is coming up, but yeah, but it, it's just he, he his 
his probably floored me and, and shocked me more than I think the Heath, than Heath Ledger, even though I was still shocked when I heard about Heath Ledger's passing. Because I was just like, he... But he just couldn't get... Because he isolated himself for a month in a hotel room to get into the role of the Joker, to get into the head of the Joker. And unfortunately was not able to come back out from that dark place that he went to, I guess. So I don't know. And it's, I don't know that it necessarily was the lack of the fact that he could have couldn't afford to go to a therapist. I don't really think he realized how deep and dark he had actually got with the role and how much it was still affecting him. Yeah, no, that was, that was sad. Yeah. Yeah, and <laughs> I just remember um, Jack Nicholson made a comment about it after he passed away. I don't know if you remember that. Um, I still, I, I, I remember something, but I don't remember what um, it was. I don't know, like, the exact comment, but it was kind of like how, like, that character does bring out, like, a dark side. And, like, you know... Yeah, it's I think even he and Jack Nicholson, I think, is very out there anyway. But even I guess he had trouble after and like he played that role totally different than Heath did. Heath oh, yeah. was the darkest version, I think, of Joker that we've seen. Yes, but he got so involved, like deep into that role, it, it was hard for him to come out of it. And uh, Jack Nicholson has played yeah. some uh, very sketchy characters. Yeah, I'm like say. trying to think of the, the best way to describe <laughs> it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, don't get me wrong. I, I love Jack Nicholson. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of his work. I, one Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest is probably one of my favorites. And which is funny because he was in a mental institution for the entire movie. <laughs> yeah with a lobotomy yeah that that was that was wow at the end of that one yeah but spoiler been, alert yeah spoiler alert if you've never seen one flew over the cuckoo's nest <laughs> two words nurse ratchet yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah uh and even in uh God, what is it? Oh, what was it? Not this. I don't think it was a stand. The Shining. The Shining. The Shining. I knew it was a Steve. It was a Stephen King. I knew that. I mean, that role. That was a pretty dark role. I mean, really. Yeah. Yeah. I still can't watch that movie in the dark. You know. I, I do applaud actors who play these darker roles um, because it, it can't be easy to go in and out of that mentality, you right. know, and, and them to be able to come out of it and, you know, move on with, with their lives, so to speak, is impressive. And, you know, not that, uh, unfortunately for Heath, he wasn't able to, but 
you know, it's it just shows how much these actors actually put in to their roles. You know, they're not just reading lines off of a page in front of a camera. You know what I mean? Like they're no. putting their themselves into such dark places that sometimes yeah. it really is just hard for them to get out. They can't, they don't, they can't separate the uh, fantasy from the reality. Yeah. In a way. And I mean, that's, in a way, it's kind of a good thing because it makes their acting that much more believable in the role. Because mm -hmm. I, he did a phenomenal job as the Joker. Oh, absolutely. After Jack Nicholson, he's probably my favorite Joker. You know? Yeah. Oh, 100%. I 100% agree yeah. with you. I, I mean, Jack, the, I mean, Jack Nicholson for me is always like number one. He's that, that's just, he's Jack Nicholson. <laughs> yeah. Right there. And, but, so it made it made his his turn as the Joker that much more believable for me, mm -hmm. and it just was incredibly sad. And I felt horrible for his family and his friends when that he wasn't able to separate himself. He wasn't able to separate himself from the role. It's just like he became the role became who he was too, and that's just. So sad. And I think if he, I don't know if, if therapy would have helped and I think it might have. And I, and it makes me wonder if he'd actually was going to therapy or not. Yeah. I, 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 know, know. I know he was, he was trying to, to work on it cause he was unfortunately taking the medication. Um, though I think the medication was more to try and help him sleep more mm -hmm. than anything. Um, but yeah, no, I don't, I don't know if he had actually like tried, uh, anything to, to fix it. Um, at yeah. least, you know, not yet, but yeah. And then, yeah. but unfortunately that's the, that's the thing with the medications too. A lot of times that's why they have, uh, they actually have a suicide risk warning on a lot of antidepressants. Mm-hmm. Because it makes you feel just good enough to actually do it, sadly. Yeah. But, that's, yeah. It, but I'm not saying that you shouldn't take the medication. If the medication helps, definitely take it. I'm all for whatever helps the individual person. Some people can do it without medication. Others need the medication. And that's perfectly fine. But that's that is one of the side effects, and one of the things you have to watch out for is sometimes it can cause it can cause somebody that was so depressed that they're too depressed to do it makes them feel just good enough to do it. Yeah, yeah, which is sad. And that's why you know be uh, vigilant in you know talking to a doctor and Definitely. letting them know if you feel that you know, type of way, mm -hmm. um, so that they can regulate, you know, cause some, you know, it can take time to find the right medicine, the right dosage and things like that. So, but, uh, yeah, no, I mean, you know, besides, you know, celebrities and, you know, obviously 
um, people who are, are dealing with everyday struggles, um, family life, a lot of things coming out, especially um, a lot of like the LGBTQ plus um, community. community, unfortunately, has a lot of suicides and things like that because they, I think a lot of it is people feel like they're alone in how they feel mm-hmm. or, you know, they're scared especially in that community to to come out or they were told that they couldn't be who they are and so if anyone who is listening you know not just the lgbtq plus but anyone in general who you know feels like they're alone feels that they you know uh, don't know how to deal with these feelings or whatever like you are not alone you are not alone you will never ever be alone you know you'll always have someone there you know and we we are here um you know definitely can leave comments and whatever you know i am going to get like the social media part up so that you can leave comments or message us or whatever and we have an email and you know feel free to to seriously you know send us anything because we are here for for you yeah, reach out to us. If you feel, if you're feeling a certain way and you feel like you're alone, reach out to us. We're here. We're, we're willing to talk. I'm willing to talk to pretty much anybody. I may not always have the answers and you may just need somebody just to, li- just to listen to you. I can do that. But I will tell you, if you start crying, I'm probably going to cry with you because nobody cries alone in my presence. <laughs> <laughs> That, that, that's just the way I am because if somebody starts crying, then I start crying for no other reason than that person's crying. We're here for, we're here for anyone, whether to, to cry with you or to just be the, the shoulder to cry on. So yes, we're, we can, we can be your sounding board. There you go. We can try to give you advice. I mean, we're all women in our thirties, so we have a little bit of life experience. I mean, so if you need if you need help with anything, well, I shouldn't say anything, but if you need help with most most things, we can probably figure something out. Thanks for listening, everyone. Catch us next time and see what we're going to talk about. Because the three fates decide.